Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Mark Tepper, and Guy Adami. Check out the big after-hours action. Chipotle, Snap, Visa, Texas Instruments all on their move as the conference calls get underway. We'll break down the big headlines for you. And UPS is upping its delivery game, but the company just announced that could deliver big time for investors. And to infinity and beyond, Beyond Meat hitting another record high in today's session. So can anything stop this stock? We are digging in. But we begin with breaking news out of Washington. The Justice Department launching a big probe into big tech. Let's get all the details with Elon Moy. Elon. Well, Melissa, we have just confirmed that the Department of Justice is indeed announcing a broad antitrust review of big tech, and that's likely to include Facebook, Amazon, Google, and Apple. In a statement, Assistant Attorney General Macon Delrahim said that without the discipline of meaningful market-based competition, digital platforms may act in ways that are not responsive to consumer demands. He went on to say that the department's antitrust probe will explore these important issues. Now, the focus of this new inquiry will be whether companies have reduced competition, stifled innovation, or harmed consumers. And the review comes as big tech is also under investigation by Congress. The companies were forced to testify on Capitol Hill to defend themselves against allegations that they are monopolies. Just this afternoon, the congressman leading that effort, David Cicilline, criticized their answers as evasive, incomplete, or misleading. Now, the Justice Department is launching its own review. Melissa, this is not officially an investigation of any single company, but it could certainly lead to that. Back to you. And Elon, um, you know, a couple months back or maybe a month ago, we heard news that the FTC and the DOJ were basically divvying up what we consider big technology. This specific release, though, says dominant online platforms, which leads you to think that Apple may not be included in this group. Well, it's unclear at this point. They don't name any specific company names in the release. Um, but one thing that was decided on earlier, we thought, was who would have jurisdiction over these companies. These are big reviews, big companies, complex issues, and it seemed that the regulators had agreed to split that up. Now, this review appears to go beyond that and be bigger than that. Are there going to be turf battles that could perhaps uh, jeopardize the speediness of these reviews and inquiries? We will certainly have to see. But clearly, the Department of Justice now making this on the top of the agenda. All right, Elon, thank you. Elon Moy in Washington for us. She'll keep, she'll keep us updated, of course. And we are seeing declines across the board, most sharply in Facebook, Amazon, as well as Alphabet, which are each down more than 1%. Guy Adami, you're an investor in these names, as many people out there are. What do you? How do you trade this? Yeah, the one what that scares. Do? Well, I mean, the one that scares me the most. Well, it's scary. Number one, for sure. the three names that you just mentioned, and they're all down. It makes sense that they're all down, and it probably makes sense that Apple's, I would imagine, down small, if not unchanged. But you know, Amazon into earnings on the 26th. Now with this headline, you go back and look where it topped out. Look where it traded down to. Look where it just retested. Now you say to yourself, Am I playing in the deep end of the pool? So. You know, I don't know if earnings will necessarily matter now for Amazon, Facebook, and Google. 
I still think Facebook sets up well, but I mean, these headlines, and I'm going to try to read through the press release, I mean, that's got to be a little bit frightening, I would think, right? We were talking just yesterday about how to trade headlines, sort of amorphous, bad news headlines, yeah. and how you sort of factor that into the stock. Here we are, Here we hitting are. the biggest part of the stock market, bad exactly. News headline, right. How do you think about this? Uh, I think about, oh, this is going to be irritating for a really long time, right? I don't know how, we don't know. So we don't really have much clarity except that there's a more formalness to it, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that I hate about investigations like this, it's they go on and on. They are a tremendous distraction, right? So you need to staff up for it. You need the attention of very senior people, plus I don't know how many additional people they'll need. Now, they're all big companies and they can afford it, but the distraction of management time is, is a little... That's unfortunate because, you know, this is what they do. They don't do these kinds of projects. So, I, you know, I think, Guy is sort of alluding to it, I think earnings can be okay if they're good and if they're bad, bad, right? right? So I think it sort of takes some of the upside away from good earnings. You draw this out to the... Um, worst case scenario, and that would be some breakup. Is that the worst case I don't, scenario? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I'm just thinking of one scenario, and there is an argument to be made that you break up some of these companies, and actually they might trade higher because you're unlocking sort of a pure play, you're unlocking value, and, and all of a sudden you'll have parts of companies that will trade as pure plays. Although, if you think about the, the, the part that is, is the engine of concern for uh, FTC, DOJ, don't forget about House Judiciary Committee. Um, I don't know you can break up Google search engine. I, I don't know that you can really break up Facebook's platform. Yes, you can. You could break out Instagram. You could break out. You, know, you could break out YouTube. You, you know, and and some of the parts I do think we would find this actually to be a very interesting exercise, especially for Google um, and possibly for Facebook. Yeah. Um, the, the, the only other thing I'd say about this is very ironic that this is coming full bore from all sides. They figured out their lanes, they're coming at it um, at a time when we're essentially fighting China's desire to build superpower national champions that will dominate the world like these companies and have. We're attacking we're tearing our down our biggest and best companies at the time we're fighting this battle over global supremacy. Makes no sense. Yeah, I think this is just a lot of headline noise. I mean, t- typically in the past, these have been great opportunities to buy on the pullback. There's no company-specific target right now. Uh, quite frankly, I don't think there's really much to, to do with, with regards to a breakup of Amazon. And when I look at Amazon, it, you know, the long-term thesis is still intact, right? I mean, this is a great company. You look at their high-margin businesses like cloud and advertising that are just growing like crazy. Uh, I, I still love Amazon. By the way, on that big full screen that we were showing of all the stocks, we didn't have Twitter up there. Right. Twitter was sort of the last move. It is now down by 1.2%. So it may not be big in terms of size uh, compared to some of these others. But in terms of what it does, it does have sort of a dominant position in that, I mean, nobody else really does what News delivery. Twitter I mean, does. I don't know, breaking up, uh, yes, I understand. Maybe Twitter's collateral damage in this. I, don't, I wouldn't lump them in. I mean, mm-hmm. I, look, I mean, we can say it right now. You mentioned the three companies, and absolutely, the three companies that are clearly in the crosshairs for a number of different reasons, many of which Tim alluded to, are Facebook, Amazon, and Alphabet. And those are the ones you have to be concerned about. You know, if there's ancillary damage to a Twitter, that's to me an opportunity. But I understand what Mark is saying, but you know, the, this is pretty draconian headline. You got to read through some of this stuff. But to Karen's point, this doesn't end in a day. This right. lasts for quite some time. For more on this, let's bring in Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. He joins us on the fast line. Gene, what do you make of this news? Well, Melissa, first, the truth is going to lie several layers below what these headlines are, and I think it's important to note that. I had some 
flashbacks to May 5th when the, the trade war escalated, the, the tensions escalated with China, and we tried to extrapolate some of the impact to Apple, for example, and, and uh, took months to figure this out. I think it's similar here as we need to just take a step back and look at what are kind of the the anchoring themes here, and there are three of them. The first is privacy is important. Second is this concept of antitrust. And the third is consumers need to be better off. And those three are difficult to get to balance. I think for regulators to try to balance uh, all three of those um, is going to be difficult to have any significant changes on these companies. Absolutely agree. Facebook and Google are the prime targets here. Apple, even though it has trades at a discounted multiple, it is the company that has the least risk here. But um, if I was going to guess how this plays out, it does have a, a nominal negative impact on the multiples of Google and Facebook over the next several months. And I suspect uh, that uh, ultimately there's some changes in terms of how privacy is shared. But just want to emphasize one last piece here on that uh, consumers better off component mm-hmm. is that's really hard to pull off. Consumers love free products like uh, Instagram and Google search. And uh, the question is, will regulators want to break some of these up or, or further regulate them that may cause uh, fees or more advertising around that? And I suspect that uh, that's going to be a difficult hurdle to bring all three of these together. So just to take Facebook as an example, since we are expecting Facebook earnings tomorrow after the bell, so it's sort of in focus, it also had a huge run-up so far this year, more than 50%, Gene. Um, if you think about that, do you think that an ongoing investigation like this could hamper any efforts for Facebook? Facebook to ramp up monetization of some of these other platforms. Uh, Absolutely, and, and, okay. yeah. That, I, I think that that is. Um, you, you need to look at this judiciously, and I think Facebook is and Google uh, has some about how they give their search results, display their search results. But those two are the most obvious ones, and I think most investors will uh, that will have a negative impact on the multiple. Now, the results tomorrow are going to have a, a bigger near-term impact, but undoubtedly this will be, as I think Karen was talking about, a, a hang, uh, overhang on these shares for uh, months to come. So if we are to think that monetization of WhatsApp and Instagram, for instance, is pulled back or at a standstill, whatever term you want to use at this point, and maybe even the rollout of Libra, given all the backlash it's already faced, um, is also delayed. What kind of discount evaluation do you put on Facebook that had been banking on all these things happening at some point in the future? I think when you put it all together, if they cannot pull off or better said, if they can't accelerate some of these other monetization opportunities that you just uh, outlined, you go from what's a 25% growing company today to closer to 10%. The multiple should go from 21 times next year to probably closer to 10 to 15 times. And so I think it can have a material negative. Now, I don't think, uh, I just want to be most clear, this isn't going to happen overnight. But as if uh, that would be, I think, the one end of things don't turn out well for Facebook, how that would play out in terms of the stock. Which company would be the most damaged in your view or, or is the most, most vulnerable, do you think? Yeah, uh, undoubtedly Facebook. I mean, that, if, I was, if I had yeah. 10 points to distribute uh, who's at most risk here, I would, I would give five of them to Facebook, uh, three of them to Google, and uh, two of them to Amazon and zero to Apple. I think there's no risk to Apple. All right. Gene, thanks so much for phoning in. We do appreciate it. Thank you. Gene Munster of Loop Ventures giving us his uh, analysis on this. Karen, you're a Facebook shareholder, you're Alphabet shareholder. Yes. What do you think of Gene's so distribution of risk? I love that, that their <laughs> really multiple good. would be cut in half. Was that basically what he was basically. saying? Basically. 
that seems a little much, but there's a lot of money to lose between here and there, right? right. So I don't know. I really got to think about this. And, um, and do I, you know, this is so two separate things. We have earnings and we have this, which is bigger at the moment. Uh, earnings, I think, just for the very short term. Right. We, we kind of had this conversation in our good, bad and ugly yesterday because these were the names. And, and, and the, but so if I look at Facebook, um, the other thing, let's remind ourselves that June 3rd was the day that we really had the shot to the bow on these names. And the, you had Facebook down 7.5%, Google 6.3%. Since that low, by the way, that low was a market bottom. That was a dramatic mm-hmm. moment for the, for the market. When we had all that bad news, market has gone on to set new highs. Just, just know that in terms of how the market could respond to news like this. I realize it's the second or third shot. Uh, Facebook's up 26% from that point. Google, 10 so we can, we can tell who's already suffering under the weight of not only their own issues, but I think a, a bigger regulatory hassle, um, if that's a term we can use. Facebook, to me, is absolutely, from a trader's and a fundamental perspective, with that kind of move into earnings, with two big bright lights on them in terms of LibraCoin and privacy, and, and then you know, antitrust, Facebook I'd stay away from. Mark? Um, look, I think a lot of it's just it's it's all headline noise, headline risk that could compress the multiples a little bit over the short run. But these are things that take years to play out in court. Um, these are still solid companies. I would still be buying them. I, I think earnings are more important right now. That's what I'm focusing on. I hope right. earnings. No, I hope he's right. I mean, I hope earnings are more important. I think the fact that it will take such a long time. I mean, that casts a bit of a shadow for a while. Look, I mean, it's about trying to figure out what the opportunity is. To Tim's point, these stocks have had tremendous runs, at least Amazon and Facebook. And you look at Amazon into earnings now, you really have to wonder, do you want to try to play it from the long side into earnings with this headline risk out there? And it's interesting, quickly, Gene said Facebook's five points out of ten, which I sort of get. But, you know, you talk about stifling competition. I mean, that's been Amazon. For a that's long, long time. Yeah. And that's one of the headlines that I'm reading in this DOJ headline. Uh, Plus, there's headline. the political Bezos. You can't no help but think with this administration right. who went right. after AT&T Time mm-hmm. Warner when it was such an obvious loser that there's some other element here. Right. Um, Facebook, by the way, uh, at after-hour session lows down 1.7%. Coming up, Chipotle, Snap, Visa, all on the move in the after-hours. Their conference calls just getting started. We'll break down all the big headlines straight ahead. Plus, Texas Instruments soaring in the after-hours. The stock hitting a new all-time high after reporting a blowout quarter. One top strategist called the chip rip back in May, but he is back now with two more parts of the market that are ready for a breakout. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. A number of earnings movers after hours. We've got Chipotle, Snap, and Visa. But one of the biggest movers is Texas Instruments hitting an all-time high in the after-hour session. Let's get to Josh Lipton with the very latest on those results. Hey, Josh. 
So, Melissa, checked in with Chris Rowland of Susquehanna. Um, here was his take on the quarter. He said, listen, there was pent-up fear heading in, but generally in-line print. said gross margins were actually better than expected at 64.3%. Q3 guidance acknowledges a bit below the street's estimates, but better than feared. First real semi-reporting this earnings season, uh, he says, and it's a decent report. On the call, um, interesting executives giving some historical perspective here. They note they just completed uh, their third quarter of year-on-year declines, and they say cycles are always different, but typically you would see four to five quarters of such year-on-year declines uh, uh, before growth resumes. They're not trying to forecast, they say, cycle, but simply offer some historical perspective there. Uh, They were asked directly about Huawei on the call, and they know that Huawei does represent about 3% of revenue overall for the company. Said over the past quarter, they, they had halted shipments when the order was given, but then resumed shipments of products that they determined were in compliance. So things came in as expected. They were asked about 5G as well, so they saw some nice growth in their 5G products. Of course, their rival there is analog devices. Melissa, back to you. Josh, thanks. Josh Lipton in San Francisco and Texas Instruments. Guy, what do you make of Texas? Operating margins where I looked. I mean, operating margins came in almost 40, a little over 41%. The street was looking for 38.8%. That's really encouraging. Now, the problem is, in my opinion, if you really look, year-over-year revenue is down, depending on what you look at, analog down 12%, embedded processing down 21%. Again, street didn't care with Micron, clearly doesn't care here. The good news is operating margins higher. The bad news is the guide wasn't great. And the other p- thing would concern me is this isn't cheap at now close to 21 and a half times forward earnings. That said, everybody seems to be in love with the semis right now. I'm not sure that all the negative stuff matters. The read through, though, on, from Texas could be okay. valuable. I think I think right. it's I think it's very valuable. And remember, Texan was was kind of the grim reaper um, on, on the last yeah. one. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, we were we were. We were talking about we were all in the in the dark on what you're supposed to be doing in the semiconductor space, and and if there was one report that really sent the pall over uh, the entire sector, it was this one. And, and so the fact that I, I mean I I think the guide guy was a little bit better than expected at least. So I mean I think people, the street was expecting 138 mid range of where they the new guidance has you at 142. That has to be encouraging. Again, vis-a-vis where these guys were, um, let's wait and get more, you know, m- more news out of, the, out of the, the postscript. But I think it's, it's positive. All right. Our next guest called the chip rip back in late May, and now he's back to tell us where the semis are headed from here, plus two more areas of the market prime for a breakout. Time to go off the charts with Chris Verone. Chris, what are you looking at? Hey, Melissa. Yeah, well, let's start with the chips. And what I think is most notable about the semi chart, this is the Sox, basically had 18 months of total indifference. You started to flirt with new highs in March and April. You came right back to support at the 200. And just the absolute ricochet off support to new highs here, I think speaks to the fact that this is still a secular bull market in chip stocks. And when you look under the surface, what we like in particular, 100% of chips right now are above their 200-day moving average. So the internals are still very firm. It reminds us a little bit of this breakout that we saw from the chips coming out of that 2014, 2015, 2016 low where they broke out and went on for another two years. So what else has these characteristics of uh, an improving group, maybe at a consensus? And it brings us to the trucks. And you know, this has been one of the areas of the market the street's been pretty negative on uh, over the last couple of years. We actually see some reasons for uh, improvement here. These are the trucks slowly starting to make some higher lows. When you look internally, again, you have about 80% of trucks actually back above their 200-day average. That's the highest reading we've seen in almost two years. So the internal setup here is getting better. So chips good, trucks improving. 
I would put banks on this list, or at least I would start to entertain the idea that these banks are starting to improve. And what's been so notable to us over the last number of weeks, even as bond yields took that last leg lower at about 2%, the financials have quietly started to outperform. Over the last four weeks, banks have outperformed the Utes by about 800 basis points. So despite lower yields, a better tone, chips, trucks, banks, we think that's the new leadership starting to really show up here. Chris, why don't you come back over here to the desk? Jonah will bring the chair over as he does so well. Great job. <laughs> Thank you, Jonah. Sure. Hey, Chris, what's going on? So, Chris, this is really good. I mean, yeah. th- these are indicators, right, for the overall markets. Chips, trucking, banks. banks come on. Right? I think it's more a reflection that after four, five, six months of some pretty tepid leadership, the fabric of this market is starting to change a little bit. Now, we can't say that Utes working and Staples working was bearish because the market was up 17% in the first half of the year. My point is it's just changing where you're getting paid. What was once defensive is now becoming more pro-risk. I think ultimately that's a good thing. It's not just distinct to the U.S. We're seeing it in Europe and we're seeing it in EM. Subtly, these more pro-risk or cyclical groups are starting to take some share here. So these go higher. What happens to technology? One of the relationships we always look at for message on cyclicality is semis versus software, right? That started to inflect here over the last couple of weeks. I think software is ultimately fine, but it's rich, it's overbought, and semis on the meanwhile are starting to reaccelerate uh, out of this base. So I think in terms of playing cyclicality, you're going to get more bang for your buck into the second half of the year owning semis over software. Yeah, Chris, what are your favorite names within semis? Well, the one today, I mean, massive breakout, TXN, you could push this thing up to 150, 160. I would encourage you to look at ASML, Global Bellwether, Taiwan Semi, Global Bellwether, KLA Tencore. These are good stocks that spent 18 months of indifference now resolving higher. So looking at ones that have been yeah. indifferent or bad that yeah. might be, ter- where do you, what do you think of the industrials? You know what? I think what's gone underappreciated over the last couple of weeks, like deers back to the old highs. Caterpillar quietly has a better tone about it. You're seeing it with the trucks here as well. Some of these modest turns, the airlines have broken out. It's hard for us to be too negative when the pie of what's working seems to be getting a little bit better. I'm not sure industrials are leadership yet. But when your laggards have at least stopped going down, that's a better framework uh, than the alternative. So we like the group here. Did you notice, Guy, all the, the chip stocks that Chris likes and the semiconductor index, the old big base? The longer the base, the, the higher Yamada. the space. Yeah. He's a disciple of the great sure Louise Yamada. Yeah. The, the bigger the, the space. Ba- the longer the base, the higher in space. A spinal Tap song. <laughs> Wonderful. No, and he's, listen, kudos to Chris yeah, for that yeah. question. Yes. And Texan absolutely is broken out now above 119. You know, I don't know if it gets to 150, but clearly people are loving this report. Quickly, the airlines do make sense. I know Tim Karen talked about this, but Delta up almost 3% today on what was, you know, decent day. But, I mean, I think that's a pretty impressive performance. And just to add the very, you know, if you look at some of these bank moves, they've gone underappreciated here. Like, U.S. Right. Bank breaking out, there's 28 analysts who cover it. Only seven of them have a buy on it. Huh. These things are underappreciated. Goldman Sachs is waking up for the first time in right. two years. There's money there. Chris, thanks. Good Thank to you. see you. Chris Verone, Strategus. And you were noting the bank breakout today. Uh, yes. KBW, or KBE, I should say, up 1%. Well, I was looking more at the money centers, which I look at. Nice to see them slowly creeping up. I thought I heard you say I love Jamie Dimon, but maybe that was me. That I think was it was you. me. But I, I still I like him here. You might have said it? <laughs> I think you did. Okay. 
Right on to him. On deck, an earnings triple play. We are talking big bucks, burritos, and bitmojis. The three stocks on the move in the after-hour session. Later, we're counting it down to Facebook's big report. What can you expect from the tech giant when it reports results after tomorrow's close? Stick with us. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. We'll be back right after this quick break. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Uh, it is time for an earnings whip. Shares of Snap, Visa, and Chipotle all on the move after reporting results. We've got full team coverage. Kate Rogers standing by in Chipotle. Deidre Bosa digging in on Visa, but we'll kick things off with Julia Borston in the latest from Snap's conference call. Julia. Well, Melissa, CEO Evan Spiegel says changes Snap has made are working to drive growth in both users and in revenue. He also says they've laid the groundwork for that momentum to continue. A redesigned application helps new Snapchatters adopt retentive behaviors like talking with their real friends. Our rebuilt Android application provides a vastly improved experience across billions of devices. And our self-serve advertising business has driven accelerating revenue growth that can support a growing community around the world. Snap also guiding for better than expected results in the third quarter, including as much as an 11% year-over-year user increase. Now, that's a faster rate than Snap reported this quarter. Now, one source of that confidence is Snap's investment in content. As a result of our investments in our content platform, total daily time spent by Snapchatters watching Discover increased by over 60% year-over-year, while the number of daily viewers has grown by 35% year-over-year. This was driven by the additional content we added to our platform over the past year, as well as changes we made to our platform to prioritize depth of engagement. Snap's big moves today. Remember, it also gained 5% during the market day. This is all in sharp contrast to larger rival Facebook, as well as the other giants who are moving lower on that report of a new DOJ antitrust probe. Now, Snap says in the U.S. it has more 13 to 34-year-old users than Facebook or Instagram. So right now, Snap is looking like a better option, even though it is much smaller. Back over to you. Julia, thank you. Julia Borson on Snap, again, up 11% after hours. It is up 170% year to date. And if some of the other big competitors are a little bit stymied by this uh, DOJ yeah. investigation, maybe Snap's business looks even better, Mark. I mean, it's up, what, 10, 11 percent after hours. So they're doing something right now. I've been wrong on this one. I haven't been in it. I haven't liked it. I still don't like it. And I would still pass on it here. They're still struggling to attract that 34 plus crowd. That's the crowd with the deep pockets. And until they're able to attract that crowd, I'm going to sit on the sidelines. I'd much rather be in a company like Twitter where I feel like engagement is going to continue to be elevated, at least until the presidential election next year. 
This goes higher from here. I think Stays so. Higher. I think, and we've talked about this a while. Dan Nathan, kudos to him. But to, to countermark quickly, ARPU's Tim's favorite Love thing. Love ARPU. Mm-hmm. Right, Average revenue first. per user, everybody, in case trade school, Timothy. whatever you need. It's a trade school. Do we <laughs> saw that? They came in better than expected. You know, daily average users. Thank you. Let that play, though. Love Isn't that, that beautiful, that? Beautiful. I should play that on the piano, by the way. Sure. Anyway, the metrics are good. <laughs> the people probably going to continue to chase this name. So, yes, it's up 11%. I think it can still go higher from here. I, the, the one thing I'd say is, is the obvious, which is that, first of all, short interest has come down. It's been cut in half. Um, the, the kind of the easy run back into the market for people, you've actually seen some year-over-year ad growth. That's great. Their new lenses and their their gender blender and all this stuff. So I mean, they're actually attracting the right audiences. We've discussed, but uh, you know, 15 bucks. There's also a fair amount of, of resistance for the stock that goes way back. So you know. I, there's no way I can like it when I didn't like it before because I don't think anything has changed dramatically here, even if the competition may be under more pressure. All right. Next up, Visa. That stock edging lower in the after-hour session. Let's get to Deidre Bosa with the re- uh, results. Deidre. Melissa, well, those shares initially hit a fresh all-time high, but now trading down by about half a percent. Lisa Ellis at Moffitt Nathanson says the reason it reversed course despite the good results is that payment volume growth was softer than expected. Darren Peller, Wolf Research, though, he says, look, expectations were so high, it'll trade back up tomorrow. Remember, Visa's up nearly 40% year-to-date. It's moving beyond traditional card payments and into digital wallets. Now, the earnings call kicked off about half an hour ago. CEO Al Kelly said that Visa is ex- extending its partnership with J.P. Morgan Chase until the end of 2029. He also suggested that deal signings in Europe are up this year. That should be positive for the company. So what else is the street looking for? Lisa Ellis is looking for color on Visa Direct. This is its new push payment product that is powering services like Venmo and Uber driver cashouts. She says that this service is small for now, but a big future growth driver. Three things Darren Peller is looking for. One, July spend and cross-border trends. Two, pricing opportunities. Three, incremental partnerships, especially in developing markets. On Libra, this is what we all wanted to hear about, at least I did. Both analysts, Lisa and Darren, said that it's still early days. Don't expect executives to say much on the call. Back to you, Melissa. Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa. Uh, Karen, Visa, Yes, well, I'm long MasterCard, so it's going to be very similar dynamics. I think that they're both priced for maybe not perfection, but a lot of really great things. And those things are happening. So I think in an OK tape, it'll, it'll be fine. MasterCard seems to have a little bit more momentum recently. Cross-border, really important for them as well. Um, I would hang on to either one. Yeah, Tim? yeah I, I, it's hard to argue with Karen's argument on, on the valuation. It's just, you know, but the valuation for the last couple quarters has been something that, you know, people tend to look past. You know, Visa Direct, other kind of online initiative, other or kind of electronic and, and, and essential e-payment solutions, put these guys right in with some of the most innovative companies in the world right now in a very exciting space. So um, the multiple increase is explainable, and I'm not sure we know what multiple it should trade at. Would you rather, guy? Oh, I like this game, the would you rather game. Is you know how to play this? Po- Can you play Yes, it's Tim. Not a pick I actually, poison. It's not a, it's, thank you for the graphic. It's would a you would rather. you rather. We don't have the pick your poison graphic made yeah, It's not yet. ready. It's under wraps. It's going to be Go ahead. Great. Would you rather? I can't wait for Visa it. Visa or Square? Oh, you, didn't, wow. you weren't expecting that. You weren't you no, thinking wow. you used the MasterCard. I think there's the growth opportunity is clearly better in Square. So I'll say Square, although I'll say this quickly. 30 times multiple for, for Visa in this environment is a little bit rich 
which also concerns me, which is why I would go Square times but, hold, two. Can I, but, can I push? I mean, where is Square's valuation? Different, right, right, different right, ball right. game. It's a completely different instance. Okay. So if you're concerned about valuation, you default to the stratosphere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have that kind of growth. Because okay, if you, you look, be right. you, absolutely you know, be right. Visa so doesn't have that. They don't. Right. I mean, this Snap is still a growth company. Visa is no longer a growth company. And quickly. It is a growth company. Not, not yeah. nearly like they were. At, okay. And at 30 times, I think that's probably why it's down small in the afternoon market. But the one thing that would maybe concern me, usually they beat on operation, um, operating margins. This is the first time in a while I've seen them actually miss. Not by a lot, but they did miss. All right, let's get to Chipotle because I want to hear about their new menu items. Hitting all-time <laughs> highs in the after hours. That conference call gets underway. Kate Rogers back at headquarters with all the details. Kate. Hi, Melissa. That's right. Talking about carne asada, quesadillas, a lot of things ahead. Chipotle out, though, with another strong earnings report for the second quarter. The company beat on every metric. Same store sales were notably up 10%, but investor focus is likely going to be on digital once again. Here's CEO Brian nickel on digital sales. Overall, digital sales grew 99% year over year to $262 million during the quarter and represented 18.2% of sales. To put this in perspective, this was more than we did in digital sales during all of 2016. Delivery remains a key driver of our digital growth given enhanced capabilities on our app and website, as well as our expanded reach. In fact, Delivery is now available for more than 95% of our restaurants and remains highly incremental. Delivery also remains the fastest growing part of the business. Chipotle Rewards, its loyalty program, launched in March. Now it has 5 million members. That's up from 3 million last quarter. Nichols said they're starting to use customer data to more effectively target guests and said early results show that members are increasing frequency after joining that program. He also talked about layering company digital initiatives from second make lines to pickup shelves. Now Rewards and said that they're still in early days and they have room to run when it comes to their growth. The company also increased its guidance for comp to high single digits for the full year. The stock is up 70% year-to-date and up more than 130% since Nickel took over as CEO last March. Lots of questions from analysts on the call about how long this digital growth can sustain, but executives maintain that they are in early days. Melissa, back over to you. When they use the customer data to better target customers, Kate, what do they target these customers with? I mean, are they discounts or offer? I mean, what 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 are they doing? So there was some teasing going back and forth between analysts on the call on who's gotten some of those offers. I think that that's the plan, that they're, they're starting to gather data about who's using this and with what frequency, and then they can target them with things like maybe a discount or an offer or something along those lines. But once again, he said it's still very early days. They're learning about these customers, how they visit the store, and they're going to target them appropriately. So carne asada (laughs) and nachos. Nachos, yep, that's right. Coming when? They've got that test kitchen that I've actually been to in New York City. Yeah, so I think that those menu items are, are certainly coming down the line. They tend to put them out in markets and in that test kitchen, see how customers react. So All right. We'll look forward to that, Kate. Thank you. Thank you. Kate Rogers on Chipotle. I cannot wait for to do a taste test. We haven't done a taste test in a long time. I love time. it. I'll nail when this one. those things come out, we're going to put them to the test. How do we trade Chipotle? Uh, I would be passing on Chipotle. I mean, I think there's a lot of execution risk here. This thing's really expensive. It's priced for perfection. I'd much rather be in a company like Grubhub, right? You're taking advantage of food delivery, which is big. Grubhub, that's a stock that's been cut in half. It's 50% off its all-time high. But you saw the same thing happen back in 2015 when they were entering new markets. It was weighing on margins. As soon as the new orders started to flow in, the stock snapped back. I see the same thing happening with Grubhub, so I'd much rather be there. Is there any concern about these investigations by the New York City 
counselors into its practices, charging small businesses fees. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we're keeping an eye on. Uh -huh. I mean, we did just see a little pullback in the greater New York area, but it seems to be constrained to just New York. So it's something worth keeping an eyeball on. But you're talking about a stock that's 50% off its high. So there's a lot of upside there. Here's the one thing about Chipotle, even with 110 PE, um, again, terribly wrong in terms of my view on the stock for the last 300 bucks. So um, Brian Nichols done a great job. The, the comps right now are still well ahead of the street. And, and that, that means the street has to at least be upgrading you know, where, where they are for this company. Has the market price set in? Yeah, but um, there's no question to me. Um, the investment in digital ha has come with a cost, uh, and it seems like it, it's, it's winning, or at least certainly the market's willing to reward that 18%. Extra chicken, no beans. What Extra chicken, no beans. No beans. 100%. I just said that. That's and medium your so The medium sauce. I don't like the hot sauce. I have issues with that, as you we know. We all know the But about when I go to the Cadoba or the Chipotle, can that's I what a, I get. Can yes, I ask a, like a, a, an existential question? Is a burrito without beans really a burrito? 100%. I don't, I'm not sure. And by the way, about? was today's earnings That's result Tim's a burrito blowout? Was today a burrito blowout? Burrito, I would say it's a blowout. <laughs> yeah. I just <laughs> quickly, I mean, Tim mentioned the streets behind it, and we mentioned her a couple quarters ago, and you got to give people, when people get it wrong, we crush them. When people get it right, you got to give props. Nicole Regan and Piper Jaffries had this one cold. And to Tim's point, a lot of analysts have been backwards on this, and a lot of us on our desk have as well, but... She's done a great job. Now, with that said, I mean, comps were fantastic. I mean, this stock can go higher Unbelievable. from here. Comps yeah, were great yeah. and margins were great. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a good story. The thing that's interesting to me, the delivery part, as you alluded to, that, you know, Uber Eats has sort of, Uber has sort of put some of their future in Uber Eats. And we see how important it is to Chipotle. We see the McDonald's. I mean, right. I, so maybe there's something to it. It doesn't Uber mean you want to run out and buy Uber, but um, yeah. there's... Definitely something happening. All right. Speaking of food, Beyond Insane. Beyond Meat hitting another record high in today's session. We will break down some staggering stats in this incredible run when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Beyond Meat's unbelievable rally continuing today. The stock hitting another all-time high. Shares of the plant-based meat company now up close to 700% since its May IPO. And check this out. Today's move puts Beyond Meat's market cap at nearly $12 billion. And that makes it bigger than Under Armour, Macy's, JetBlue, Domino's, and Marathon Oil. Guy. July 29th, they report earnings. This move, in my opinion, is people that have tried to maybe short the stock, saying, you know what, we can't be short in the earnings release. Let's cover. I mean, Karen can speak to the cost of borrowing the stock. Fundamentally, we can all have conversations about valuation. Clearly doesn't matter. It's the addressable market that people are looking at. And maybe Beyond Meat will be the only fake meat company out there. With this said, you have to believe competition is coming down at some point. Karen. It's such a dangerous game. Yeah, I checked on the borrow today. No borrow. Used to be 300%. <laughs> Now it's no borrow. So, I mean, this is just, this is, has nothing to do with Beyond Meat anymore. It's just a technical ridiculousness. It's Volkswagen I, I believe, yes, it yeah. is. It's a squeeze. I believe in the, in the, in the change of how we eat. Uh, but this, it's, it's in there already. Or maybe I don't believe in, in the change in how we eat. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't. And $88 million in revenues, $11 billion market cap. It's just absolutely insane. I mean, you know, it's, it, this stock has a cult-like following. This, this is a stock. I don't want to eat this stuff. I don't, I, I don't want to buy the stock. I don't want to short the stock. I mean, it's a no-touch for me. Um, when you look at the nutritional content, is it any better than real beef? 
No, it probably isn't. Actually, it might be worse when you look at it. So, look, this is something that I would steer clear of. Yeah, I, I have to echo thoughts uh, that have been expressed on valuation, and also the competitive landscape is such that I, I don't understand Tyson what stand, stands product. in the way. Tyson has their own product. Nestle's going to have their own product. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, is this company now basically equal to one-third of Heinz Craft, you know, which is the biggest food company in the world? It's absurd to even think we're encroaching on this type of, of a comparison. So, no, I'm, I'm out. But, you know, kudos to those who, who've been in. And, and I, I do think it, you know, sometimes you let your winners run and you're long-term greedy. I think you're being greedy right now. All right. Up next, the delivery wars. They're heating up with UPS making big plans to shake up the competition. We'll tell you how to play this space. Take a look at shares of Snap soaring off its earnings report. But one trader is betting on a big breakdown for another social stock when it reports this week. Don't go anywhere. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. UPS announcing it will begin delivering packages seven days a week. Let's get to Frank Holland back at headquarters with more. Frank. Hey, Melissa. That seven-day service for residential and business customers starts on January 1st. FedEx, it remembers, said it would do the same thing in May. Jack Atkins from Stevens says this is really expected from UPS to capitalize on the growing e-commerce market. Atkins adding, that's going to be attractive to e-commerce shippers. E-commerce is the key to growth when it comes to the U.S. The core ground business, which is B2B, is not growing as fast as e-commerce. It's a function of building of, of building of density. The more density you build, the more profitable it becomes. David Vernon from Bernstein, a bit more skeptical. He says there is a perception in the market. Their margins have been under pressure with e-commerce, and they have had a hard time making six-day-a-week work. If the domestic results are good tomorrow, then the markets will buy into the idea if they're challenged, it'll add to the perception you're adding cost to a business that has not been great. UPS reports before the bell last quarter, domestic ground revenues, they grew by 2.9%. However, next day air revenues, they fell by 3.6%. And operating profit, it fell by nearly 12%, perhaps adding to the perception that David Vernon was talking about. The company making some news, uh, announcing a partnership with Michael's Craft Stores, increasing the number of retail locations for pickup and drop-off to 21,000 in the U.S., including CVS and advanced auto parts stores. Another announcement involves medical drone deliveries. UPS already testing in North Carolina. The company says it's applied for FAA approval to fly over people at nighttime and even out of line of sight of the operator. Under a subsidiary called Flight Forward, it'll focus on these medical deliveries through 2020. Here's a stat to keep in mind just to see how big this drone delivery market could be. 52% of the 13 billion parcels shipped every year, they can actually fit in your mailbox. Back over to you, Melissa. Frank, thanks. Frank Holland, back at headquarters. So UPS beating FedEx to seven-day delivery. This is a perfect time to play a little game that we played before. We'll play with the two new candidates mm. here. UPS. Oh, pick me, pick me, Monty. Pick me, Monty. Pick me, Monty. Tim, Sorry. what do you think, UPS or FedEx? So uh, on valuation, it's it's a no-brainer. It's FedEx. Um, and 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 while we've talked about FedEx trading at a trough valuation at times, that hasn't mattered. Um, I think FedEx is is finally started to turn around. What FedEx is priced in is a lot of international weakness and a lot of cyclicality that I don't think UPS UPS has in their price. So for me, I, I think FedEx is frankly a better-run company. It's why it usually trades at a premium, and it does not now. That's why I want to. But do you think that there's continued European weakness to the point where FedEx would have to incorporate more of that weak guidance going forward? I, I, I think FedEx has been out front with it. In fact, the market at times has been a little disappointed because it was not what they had told them the quarter before. In other words, FedEx gave us a couple quarters in a row where it's like, hold on a second. Um, I think they were very much, uh, you know, straight in your face about what was going on in Europe. Seven days. Good for UPS? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, how What's the reservation? 
Uh, just, you know, uh, I think uh, Frank talked about it. Is it adding revenue without, or, or are you adding, inexp- you know, not profitable right. revenue? So that's the question. I agree with Tim on FedEx. I like the valuation better. I think, you know, FedEx, much of their troubles have been self-inflicted wounds, and I do think that they will get it together. I don't know when, but when they do, I think it won't trade at this kind of discounted margin. You're uh, in P- both. I am in both, much more in FedEx than UPS. So the would you rather doesn't really work with Karen. Yeah. Because you're in both. Tepper, would you rather? FedEx as well. So based on valuation, it's definitely cheaper. And it seems like UPS is trying to play catch up to FedEx. FedEx is in the lead right now. But, you know, if the global economy is slowing, I'd really rather not own either of these. And I also think right now Amazon is really a big threat, especially if they decide to move more of their logistics in-house. I know you're going to bring up your stint at UPS. (laughs) And you wearing the brown costume with the brown socks pulled up to your knees. But what... What is your um, well? Just to play here. devil's advocate, because I have an affinity towards UPS. United Parcel Service, I'll take UPS. Yes, I understand the valuation argument. The technicians will say you have a major double bottom around 92 from the low in 2016, recent low. You're at a level now where if it can close above 110 on a good earnings release tomorrow, it's broken out of a major downtrend. So UPS, Mel, why not? And I work there, and, and all the guys and gals there love me. How when quickly I was there. in the spring did you break out the shorts? You know, because I mean, they, they Early, have a great I'm like a February shorts. shorts guy, oh. Tim. Okay, wow. thanks. Okay. Coming up, Facebook shares lower in the after hours after the DOJ launched a big probe into big tech. The company reports results tomorrow. We will break down what you can expect. Welcome back to Fast, recapping the big news from the top of the hour. The Justice Department launching a probe into big tech. The news coming on the eve of Facebook's quarterly report. Options traders are betting for on uh, big trouble for the social media giant when they report after the bell tomorrow. Mike Coe's got all the details. Mike. Hi. So Facebook options are implying about a 6.5% move after reporting earnings. That's in line with the longer-term average move after earnings of about 7%, although I would point out that over the last four quarters it has moved considerably more, closer to 10% on average, and that might be what one trader was targeting. The largest trade we saw was a purchase of over 6,800 of the weekly 180 puts. Those traded for just under 50 cents. Ultimately, over 11,000 of them changed hands, and that trader would be targeting a move to the downside of 10% or more by the end of the week after they report. All right, Mike, thanks for that. For more Options Action, tune into the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, Final Trades. Time for the Final Trade, Tim. How about that new leadership in the market that is banks? How about City, uh, excuse me, Bank of America, which sits right in the middle of Citibank and J.P. Morgan, BAC? Karen. Yes, some good news today out of Stanley, Black & Decker, and Sherwin-Williams. Means we could leave. Home Depot will be good. We won't see it till next month, but I like Home Depot. Tepper. United Technologies, another beaten race today in defense spending is one thing both parties can actually agree on. Stealth Rally and Blackstone there, Melissa. And can I just quickly, before we end, Milk Duds are the most underrated candy on Hold them up. Planet. Hold them up. Hold them up. Milk Duds right there. All right. Milk duds. Get, that get does it for us. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Money. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts now. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.